Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. We've been talking about this theme with the good fight is that the, the, the fight that, we, that we're after is not against. The fight we have is not against, it's for. We're fighting for. And there's a big difference with that. When I, well, several years ago, I had a, a pastor uh, that is in our, in our county approach me and basically showed up with flyers, petition sheets, and yard signs. And it was to, to oppose a resolution to, to basically go on the November ballot of initiative that was going to happen. And it was a moral, it, we would say it was a moral, it can be a biblical thing. And it's like, personally, I was for the opposition. I was, I was for that. So I agreed with him. But he passes on assuming that we would give him out into the church. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And he was pretty offended by it. Like, what, what, are you not? No, I personally agree with you on that. But we're not going to do that. And so it raised a little bit of tension in the relationship. And I, and I realized what was happening is that, that I get what he's saying and, and what he's trying to do. But I, I asked the question as we talked with our leadership, of really at, this, at the time was, what are we for, not against? Now, I, I was against that personally, and there was many people that agreed against that. But that wasn't what we're going to be known for, something we're against. We're going to be known for what we're, what we're going to be for. Does that make sense? And it's, it's tough in our life and our world because there's a lot of people against a lot of things. But when I open the Gospels, when I my read of Jesus, Jesus was really all pro. He was, he was for, he came to proclaim his kingdom. Now, when proclaiming and being pro, pro something and for something, how many know that there's a lot of times there's, you, you now default to what you're against, right? You, you get that part. And, and Jesus was, don't get me wrong, he, he was anti-evil, and, and, but he was also anti-religious. And in fact, the reli- very religious ones that he opposed, which what he was proclaiming his kingdom, they didn't like it because they had their own religious kingdom set up. They didn't like that at all. In fact, that really pushed toward Christ being crucified was those very people that were against him. We, we, we really are in our, in our world, though. We fight battles and we fight struggles. But I'm wondering if we would look more about what we are for. And today, as we continue this series, I want to talk about what we're for in fighting for our faith. Fighting for our faith. Now, when we talk about fighting for our faith, it actually can stir people up socially and even politically. We, let's not... Let's not I don't think we need to argue the fact that we live in a very increasing hostile society that's pushing against Judeo-Christian beliefs. Even some would say in times, you feel it maybe, of, of even our First Amendment rights of religious practices. You might feel a little bit more pressured at times to try to be politically correct in, in your workplace. Uh, you might have had a conversation with someone in your HR saying, no, that's not what you can. This is what you can talk about. And all these different rules and regulations and people are trying to find this balance. And, and so you play this out at workplace and school and the social media. Because here's the big concern a lot of people. They don't want to be labeled. 
narrow-minded or sexist or racist or even a, the word bigot. Don't want that. But listen, there, there is a time, and I've experienced it myself, where I, I felt like I've had to defend my, my biblical convictions. I have had. I've had those moments. Some of you have you've faced that in, in your work, in your school, in your, in your community. And there's some tension that, that goes with that. I mean, for, you know, we're, we're heading another holiday season, right? There's going to be the controversy again. Happy holidays or Merry Christmas, right? You're going to walk through a, you're going to walk through a store and you're wondering what people are going to say. It's all over the place. And some of you are like, what's a store? Do we, do people go there anymore? That'd be interesting this year. But that's, we live in this world. And as much as that's the case, as much as, I don't think anybody here is going, going yeah, that's the tension we live in and trying to be a, a Christian. And you know, I thought we were a Christian nation. Now we're not. And all this post-Christian. And get all that going. I, I'm with you. I'm in, the, I'm in the soup of that as well. And we should be in the world, not of the world. In a sense, we need to be informed of what's going on. I want to hear my heart on all that, that that has a place for it. But is that really our battle? Is that really our real fight that we're going on, that's going on? See, I'm finding this is that the more that I look at my own life, that it's much of it's not what the fight is out there. It's really what the fight is right here. The fight of my own faith. Let me have, have this question up here is, what has been your battle within? What has been your battle within? And as you think about that, I'm going to give you some examples that I have been touched by and throughout my life, in fact, all of them, you would say maybe some of them for you today, a little bit more than in, the, in another season of your life. But, but for some of us, when we've battled within, we've, for some here today, it might be this, you battle discouragement. Discouragement has come over you that what you're hoping for, at least at this point in your life, has not happened. In fact, it, you've had a decrease in something or some in, in relationships and in career and in, in livelihood or whatever it might be in your life. You're like, there's a loss that's there. There was a hope there's there. You've been bummed out on a continual basis that you've, you've been pretty discouraged, which can lead to another area is, is doubt. I, I heard a quote recently that, that doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. So even with doubt, you don't like, don't want to take risks any longer because you, you doubt yourself, you doubt others, you doubt God, and that becomes, and that can do a number on you. And so you just don't really try to do anything any longer because there's a lot of doubt that overwhelms you. Another area would be shame or regret. We can reflect on the past mistakes and moral compromises that we've made, and we say things to ourselves like, I am no good. I, I, I've blown it. it. It's too far, too gone. It's too late. Too, you know, it, it, I'm, why, you know, why even try any longer to do anything? Uh, I, I live, and, it be, and, and failure becomes this, this pervasive attitude in our life. Another area that can be this, and it, and it can lead to being angry and bitter. Angry with yourself first, but really, honestly, there, you've, you've got anger and bitterness toward other people. I, I get the picture with anger when it kind of, when it sticks to the wall of our soul, is bit, it turns into the root of bitterness that's there and, and ends up, we end up missing, as scripture says, the, the very grace of God in our life. Jealousy is another area in our life or greed. 
We live in a, a world of comparison all the time. We're, we're comparing ourselves with others and what others have. It's just we're bombarded by the comparisons that happen and it makes our world very competitive. And so that can, we, can, we, can, we can battle with jealousy. We can, we can also it can lead to fear, anxiety, and worry. Statistics are saying that our current young generation, teens, young adults, and even the millennial generation are more stressed out than any other generation. I know those of us that are older generation, like, what do they have to be stressed about? They've got everything at their fingertips. Exactly, that's the problem. Everything's at their fingertips. So the, the whole idea of the pressure and the comparison, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I feel the pressure. I can't achieve. I can't go. And there's, they're feeling that overwhelmed in their life. Even for some of us that are older, we might look at the future and go, what if this happens? What if I get sick? What if, do we have enough insurance? Or how are my kids going to do? You know, you never stop worrying about your kids, do they? They're just different age levels. Now they're on their own. It's a different set. Of, and we live in that, that world of what ifs. Uh, another one, if left unchecked, is, it, it leads to depression. It, emotions, basically depression, emotions turn inward. I mean, you just stuff it. And then with that, our tendency is to isolate ourselves and, and just deal with it on our own, which we can't deal with it on our own. And, and, and know this about depression. I'm not naive to fact there is a times there's chemical imbalance with depression. And so if you don't know, if you're battling depression and you're not sure, go to your doctor, get checked out. Maybe there's something that would be helpful for you. Maybe to go see a counselor. In fact, if you think you need to go to a counselor, just go to a counselor. I've got recommendations for you. It's so important to have to talk about, is that an area of your life? And then of the many we could be listed, one more would be this is apathy. At the end of the day, this is what happens in all those things, is apathy. We go, who cares? Whatever. It, this is life, and this is, this is the way it is. And, 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 and what happens in that, I've, and I've even prayed with people this last week, they just want to give, it, give up, and they're like, I'm, and I'm ending it. Like, well, don't do that. So if you're at that place, we love to be able to partner with you and say, no, it's not over. There's still a fight in you. There's still a fight for your faith. Now, of the listing of these things, some of you might be going, oh, that's me and all of these categories at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning at work. Okay, some of you are like, you, you know, there, there's, there, you, you redline in some of these. We all can relate with it. But I would say this in all that huge list, and it stirs up a lot just giving that kind of list. They're actually, when you really evaluate it, they're really symptoms. They're really symptoms of a greater problem that's, that's a, a fight that's much deeper within us. The Apostle Paul, throughout his letters, continually had this theme of this in civil war, this battle that was going on. And one particular example in, in the book of Galatians, he says this, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit which is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. He's talking about there's an internal battle that's going on our flesh and the spirit. We have the spirit that comes alive as a, a believer in Christ and, and it connects us with God and it's in conflict with, it's, it's kind of like the good angel and the, and the demon on the other side. You remember those in cartoons? One's fighting against the other and they're talking each other and you're like, yeah, that's my life, right? That battle, that internal battle that's going on, a battle within. Uh, this word flesh, another word maybe in your translation would say sinful nature. There's this nature about us, it's the bad part of us, it's the human kind of scuzzy side of us that, that it's really just a 
human experience about us as well. It's, it, it's, the, it's that, that battle that we have, and, and yet there's something that, that the Spirit that connects with us, with God's Spirit, that we want to do better. And this battle goes on, and this, it pushes against each other, the civil war. I love how the Apostle Paul is so honest. I I've this, continue to quote this because I relate with it in Romans 7. And he says this, I don't understand what I do. So this battle that's going on, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. This battle that goes on. I don't want to do this. You know, it's, it's that, you know, you're in this battle, you, you, you say, no, I've got victory. Today, today is the day that I'm going to eat healthy. Today is the day. And then someone comes in with fresh donuts. And you just want to like, get behind me, Satan, right? That, those are those moments. Now, some of you are like, bro, if donuts is your issue, man, you, you got to, you know, there's a lot of other issues in life. But it's, it, there's struggle that we have right in the middle and right in front of us. Paul goes on in this rant about his struggle. He says, he says this, I find the law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he says this, what a wretched man I am. Yeah? That's how I felt like eating that donut, you know, five minutes after, like, oh, what a wretched man. I, just, I'm all, I was in a diet for two hours. How did that happen, you know? <laughs> But deep down, you would say, though, in all seriousness, there is a battle within you. I can't believe I did what I did, and I still did it. This struggle that's there. And when we have those moments, we go, what a wretched man I am. And what we do, or woman I have, what we end up doing, this voice that enters us, you dummy, you loser, you scumbag, who, who do you think you are? You're trying to be this good Christian. And it's the voice of Satan for sure. But how many don't know? He doesn't need much help. We do a lot of self-condemnation, don't we? And we condemn ourselves over and over again at the very lowest point of our life. And so Paul, feeling this way, as we can relate with, he says, who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Yeah, Paul, who is it? Who's going to rescue us? I think you know the answer, and here it is. It's, he, he, he proclaims this, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's like, no, you you're like, yes, I knew it was Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's always the answer, right? Every single time you can say Jesus. That's important. Why we come here on Sunday morning. You decided not to isolate yourself in your little battle and your little internal struggle. You're going, no, I, I need to get around with other people that probably are struggling the same way, but in different ways. And, and here together I'm coming because this is a special moment that we're going, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in the battle. But it's important that we recognize not only we, we go, I'm not alone in the battle, but we also celebrate and we sing about and we talk about every single week is this, that the battle's already been won. The war has already been won. Thanks be, be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is our deliverer. He is our Savior. And in a few minutes here, we're going to spend some time in a victory meal called Communion. We celebrate that and remember what Christ has done for us. The war has been won. But here begs the question, why are we still in the struggle? Why are we still in the battle? Why do we still have this civil war that goes on with inside of us? Why is that battle still raging? 
Jesus is the one. He, he purchased the, the, with his blood, signed the peace treaty, signed, sealed, and delivered. And yet, even though the war has been declared over, there's still that battle. I think we all, if you know enough about history, you know this, that, that throughout and even in our modern history times, you look at Vietnam and you look at World War II, when peace treaties were signed, especially in World War II, when the Japanese signed the peace treaty that to end the, the war in the, in the South Seas, guess what? This, no one really informed those islands, those remote islands where some of our POWs were still being captive, captive and been prisoner of war. They were not informed, nor was maybe even the, the Japanese soldiers that guarded him eventually, or maybe lied to him. There was a, there was a period of time that needed to happen between the, the declaration, the war was ended to the point when those POWs came home. There was a gap that's there. And I think that's the same in our own life. Even the war that has been won, we still can live in our lives in the struggle of being the POWs. The victory has happened, but the war continues on. The battle still happens in our lives. See, listen, evil doesn't die without a fight. Satan does not fight fair. He will hit below the belt. And we cannot ignore his tactics of the unseen spiritual realm. We need to be alert. We don't need to, but we don't need to run scared. We just need to be aware. But we need to be continually reminded that ourselves and as true followers of Christ, that we already are forgiven and we already have freedom available for us. But all that to say, if that's the case, know this, your real enemy is not your nosy neighbor. It's not your bad boss. It's not those people out there, those people of a different political persuasion. It's not even the devil. And you're thinking, no, the real enemies are out. No, the devil's already been defeated. He's not really the real enemy any longer. If you're a follower of Jesus, the real enemy is you. It's yourself. See, the war has been won. Here's our core truth. Our biggest battle to fight is to win the war within. To win the war within. How do you do that? How do you do that on a daily basis? Well, it comes back to fighting the good fight. What's the good fight in you? Paul tells us, tells a young pastor named Timothy, and he writes in a personal letter. You know, sometimes you read in the, in the Bible, there's, there's different letters, you know, that are written to the church. But it's interesting, there's a few letters that are written to, to, to a person. And one of them is a young guy named Timothy. And Paul's telling Timothy, hey, not only to believe these things and do these things, but he's saying, hey, what you've learned, pass it on. Pass it on to the teachings that I've given you that come from Jesus. He says this to Timothy. He says, teach these things. Timothy, encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may have, may have contradict our teaching, but they are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what he's been passing on of the gospel and who Jesus is and everything that we know uh, as you read that we have as well about Christ today. He says, these teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of the words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy and division and slander and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. Paul's basically saying, Hey, don't 
Go after the, don't, don't, don't listen to the antis. Don't listen to the people that are against. Don't listen to the people that are, that are negative and trying to pull people down and, and send them in a different direction. To follow a bunch of religious rules or act this certain way that you need to be and all that's going on. He says all of that, all of that is not the battle. Don't pick those kind of fights. You're never going to win. Instead, he says this to him. He says, to them, to those there, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. He says, yet truly godliness with contentment is, is itself great wealth. After all, we, have brought, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we cannot take anything with us when we leave. So we have enough food and clothing. Let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money, have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. He, he's really sharing kind of where we can relate with the battle within us. When we're struggling through and working through what we're, we're working through, many of the times we're looking at those people out there, the people that are, that, are, that are causing problems that are affecting us and that we push against. Yet really, Paul's saying it's the struggle within us. The love of money. It's not money, it's not the love of money. The, 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 lack of, the lack of contentment that we have. All these in, internal struggles that we have. And when we do, when we buy into that, we, we buy into the competitive and consumeristic culture that makes us, we allow it to, cause us discontentment. And it just stirs within us a war within us. Do you relate with that? I relate with that. I get caught up in the drama. I get caught up in the consumer side of things. I, I get the bills. I get the, 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 the struggles are there. And this is happening here. And this person, is, and, the, and all this is going on. And I get, I, I get to there and there's just lesser versions of myself throughout the week going, why do I allow this to happen? And, and Paul is really telling Timothy, rise above that. There's, there's some virtues here that we're going to look at that arise above it all. And don't get caught up in this. But he, he puts a but right in the middle of this. He says this, and this all that is, he says this. But you know, and basically saying, you, you know a better way. There's something better. Here's what you need to do. He says this, but you, man of God, or woman of God, flee from all this. Rise above. Get, get it. Don't get, get near it. What, what is it? All the competitive and consumeristic culture crap that goes on in the world. Don't get caught up in it. And this is what he tells you to do. Tells me to do and you to do. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Now, how do we do this? Now, here it is. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called when you were made, made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, go back to that calling. Go back to your first love. Go back to when you gave your life to Christ. When you let everybody know that your good confession, when you raise a hand and people heard that you're a Christian, you, you were dunked in water and you, you declared in baptism that you're a follower of Christ. Go back to that moment. And rise above the fact that that's your fight. It's back to that, that drive that within you. Don't let all these other things, these, these things of this world and the list and the competitiveness and the consumeristic mindset and the mentalities there, don't let that be your battle longer. Rise above the fight, but don't give up on the fight. 
See, I want to leave you just a few thoughts, and before we go into our time of communion, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about a fight, a fight of faith. I want to talk about faith this way, that fights. Faith that fights. The first is this, that faith that fights is active, not passive. How do we have a good fight of faith? Is it, it needs to be active, not passive. The, the word here Paul uses is so important. He says the word pursue. Pursue. Have you ever been pursued? Have you been in a dating relationship where you pursued someone? I'm, my wife will be here at the, the second service, but I'm just being honest with you. She pursued me first. She, it was a year before she was, she had a friend and, and I had, you know, known her friend before and I, I didn't know, I didn't care for that friend and, anymore. And so then, then she was friends with like, I don't want to do with any with her and her friend or anything. She, I didn't say, I didn't, I, she was good looking. She was nice. She was, there's something great about her. I just don't want to, I, I, I just don't. Well, I tell you, it took about a good year that I finally wake up and going, you know what? I think so. So I went up to her. I remember in a church lobby, there was a concert going on, and, and she was selling some tickets. And I said, hey, do you want to you go to the, there's a carnival in town. You want to go to carnival? You know, what, Friday night? She goes, no. I'm like, what? And they came back. She's like, well, what are you doing? Like, I've got plans and, and that. And so I found out where her plans were. And I got there, and she was with this other friend, and, and, and I just showed up, and like, oh, you're here. And like, yeah, I'm, pers- I'm pursuing you. And it sounds stalkerish, actually. So, uh, but, but I did, and, and you know, it all worked out. It all worked out uh, 25 years later. And the word pursue is, is interesting. It means keep on pursuing. It's not giving up. You ever try, like, I tried, I reached out, oh, forget it, I'm not going to do it anymore. No, pursue. Pursue means to continue to run after, to seek with intensity, to march forward. Paul's saying, pursue your faith. Don't give up. I, I think we, we, we get, I love the fact we're casual, you know, casual church and come dress, you know, what you want and what you want to do, all that. But I think we get caught up in our American, average American church going culture that we just kind of into consuming and convenience. And if, 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 you know, if my schedule works out, I'll be at church. <laughs> I'll be here versus going, oh, you know, if I got nothing going on, I'll show up. I was like, is that, and that's not just coming to church. It's being in community, the people I'm around, engaging the body of Christ. We, we make this, we're not really, are we pursuing God's will? Are we, are we reaching out, God, what do you want to do with my life and use my life? And, and when we don't do that, when we don't pursue an active faith, it's actually dead faith. It's actually, you could call it fake faith. James tells us this. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. If you're, if you're feeling you're dry and dull in your Christian walk, and you're dull in, in, in that relation, it's because you don't, you're not pursuing the Lord. You're like, oh, I don't know if God's really with me or anything. Yeah, he is. Are you pursuing him? How, did, how would that play out in other relationships? Oh, you know, if you're not, my wife and I, we're just, not, we're just distant and there's no relationship. Are you spending any time together? Are you pursuing one another? Right? It doesn't work without someone pursuing and someone receiving that pursuit. And so Paul says this, he says, here's the thing to pursue. Righteousness and godliness and faith and love, endurance and gentleness. All those things are virtues that we should be striving for. Not in a competitive consumeristic culture, but these areas of our life. But the characteristics and the motivation of these virtues are the key to it all. Why? It comes down to purpose. And it's this. Faith that fights believes in a cause. 
believes in a cause. I, I, when I, it was so amazing last Sunday morning and, and mentioned Josh came up here and thank you guys. Last Sunday morning when we mentioned he had a fire, I said, if anyone after the service, if you just want to give something outside the offering, just bring it to me and I'll, get, I'll give it to him. I'll see him. And people started pouring in with money and gift cards and my pockets got really big. And I ended up, we got a bucket and we poured it into it for the next service and people gave. I was able to give him this thick envelope the next day hundreds of dollars to be able to give them. Say, here, help you guys buy clothes, get things clean, do what you need to do for what you need to do next. That's, that's a cause that you and I got involved with. I'm so proud of our church to respond that way. And he was in tears about that. I think that's what we're about, meeting the needs and the causes there. And if we don't do that, guess what? It's almost like we're, 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 we're just kind of beating the air. In fact, Paul says, he talks, almost talks about shadow boxing. You know what shadow boxing is? You know, you're kind of like, you remember Rocky days, you're kind of fighting the, you're, you're fighting, you're kind of, you're, you're punched in the air. In fact, Paul says this way about shadow boxing. It's, it's actually not, it's good for training, but if you're not really fighting the opponent, what's the point? He says, therefore, I do not run like someone who runs aimlessly. I do not fight with a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow for, to my body and make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself, will not be disqualified from it. What's Paul's fight? It's the, it's the gospel. And I'm going to ask you again over and over this. What is your fight? What is your fight? Well, Jesus fights our fight, the gospel for people to truly know him. The what is in you, did that desire to see that happen and to feed that cause that's there? What is that cause that's within you? Paul says, fight the good fight and do this because you were called. You are called. Because know this, fight the good fight believes that God is for us, not against us. That we're called by God. One of the most favorite affirming verses I love has a question to it. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's the ultimate rhetorical question. If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, Nobody, nobody. If you know God is for us and for you, there's nothing stop. That's game changer. That He's for you in the fight. If you're fighting for the, the will of God for you, He's not against you. He is for you. He is for you. It in, when you think that way, it informs your decision. When you believe that God is not for you, guess what? Fear informs your decisions. In fact, you become indecisive and not doing anything. But when you know God is for you, guess what? Your faith informs your decisions every single time. He's for us. And then finally know this. A faith that fights the good fight is this. It finishes well. It finishes well. When I, when I played basketball and I coached basketball, I, I said this to the players. Play to the whistle. Play to the whistle. We, we used to do these things called suicides, which is the bad name for it now. But you do these up-downs, these lines. You run back and forth, run back. And you're just tired. You're just tired. And then they stop. And then someone had to shoot a, a foul shot. And if they missed it, then you had to run it again, you know. And I just remember that brutal. And, and it was so brutal, I decided when I coach, I'm going to do that to the players as well to get them in shape. <laughs> and they're struggling. And then you usually say, or my coach said, hey, they kind of come to a place to stop. Like, whoa, did you hear a whistle? I didn't hear a whistle. Did you hear a whistle? To stop. Keep going, right? To play to the whistle. Paul, telling his, his young apprentice, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. But he says, play to the whistle. He says this it, to of himself. 
of the same idea of fight. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Paul's saying, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Play to the bell. Play to the, to the whistle. The be finishers. Here's, here's our next step this week, and we're almost ready to do communion. It's this. I will work on finishing this week what? What are you going to finish this week? Some of you have been procrastinating. Some of you have been putting off. Some of you are thinking of quitting. What are you going to finish? Maybe you're going, I can't finish that project. Get going. Get moving and finishing the project. Get moving. Get, get it done. It might be a conversation. You're like, I put it off. I put it off to have this week. Be a finisher. This week, North Bay, let's be faith finishers. And I know the things that I mentioned, discouragement and doubt and shame and bitterness, all those things are factors in that process as we move through it. But know this, at the end of the day, could we not be the ones to say, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. And the reason we can do that is because the war has already been won. The battle that we're going through, we're going to still battle. And you're thinking, why do I have to do still battle? It's called life. It's struggle. But in that battle, knowing this, that the war has already been won. The one that fought the good fight and finished was Jesus himself. And we don't have to look any further than this. Look upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despite the shame, despite the shame and had sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why? Because we were worth the fight. And he says this, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. So then what? That you won't become weary and give up. This is not the time to give up. We have only begun the fight because Jesus has already won the war that we're going to remember and celebrate today. As our team comes, our ushers are ready to serve here in just a moment. We're going to eat a victory meal today because the war has been won through the cross. And as you receive the bread and the cup today, I want to encourage you as you hold them and we're going to eat together as we're all served. I want you, whatever that struggle is, I want you to just give that to the Lord. God, I'm in this battle. Call out the battle. Call it out for what it is. And yet declare victory on that already. And just say, God, give me the strength. God, give me the courage. I want to be a finisher because what you've already done and completed on the cross and finished for my faith. Let's hold them and then we'll partake together as the team comes. I know it wasn't a long time to reflect, but maybe just in that minute or two, you were able to identify the struggle. I think it's important to talk about that. It's important to say, what is that struggle? They have doubt, depression, list, maybe multiple things that you're struggling with. I hope that you could take some time and say, Lord, I, I, I give you my struggle. You know my struggle. And, and Lord, I, I come to your altar. I come to the foot of the cross. And, and Lord, I lay those struggles down. But let's not miss that those struggles are all symptoms of the greater struggle. And that's the struggle of sin. And that's the struggle of our sinful nature that we're in, in the war. I wish we could pray a little prayer. Just a nice little band-aid prayer. And that we're all good. And we're all fine. And we're going to go back in this week. And we've got our little... No, you're going to go back into the war. But we must be reminded the war is not out there. The war is here. The daily battles are right here. And that's where the daily victories are as well. 
The war has already been won. Everything's been accomplished. Everything has been done. Signed, sealed, delivered. The peace treaties is it's through the blood of Christ and what he's accomplished. And his body broken and put to death for us. It's complete. It's a victory meal. It's done. It's over. And so as we eat this and partake in this, know that that is, that is the battle. That the, rec- the recognizing it's been won, that we can participate together but may it be empowering to us as we eat and drink this together that we would remember throughout this week as a reminder to us. Jesus, on that night, he was betrayed. He was arrested, crucified the next day. He held up the bread and said, this is my body that's gonna be broken for you, put to death for you, eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that. He held up the cup and, and again, just the idea of, of victory. Look, the cup, he held it up and he says, this is my blood that signed the new agreement, the new peace treaty. The old covenant is done. There's a new covenant in place. Remembrance, the forgiveness of your sins and all of mankind's sin. Drink in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let's pray together. Mm. Lord, when we, the sweetness of this, Lord, that we could, we could celebrate this victory. Lord, that our lives be a celebration and the lives of gratefulness for this victory that you have already accomplished. And yet we're torn as we go back into this world. We're going to go back into this, this, this battle zone. Lord, may we recognize as we do that the, as, as the struggles are out there, the real struggles in our everyday that very much are external at times. Lord, may we be reminded that in the internal battle that we have to go through, that we don't have to go through it alone. Because you already finished the work on the cross, you come back and meet us through your spirit to help us along, to come along with us through your Holy Spirit, to guide us, direct us, knowing and continuing the voice that you're with us, that you're with us, that you're with us, that you're with us us through the battle. And that, Lord, we can live in the many victories and not in defeat of life. Because ultimately you won the war, Lord, that we're so grateful for. God, for those of us that are struggling in these areas, Lord, may we just continually surrender them to you. May we fight the good fight of faith to keep going, not give up, because you did not give up on us. As we look to you, our author and perfecter and finisher of our faith, we're grateful for it in Jesus' name.